This studio setup is really nice. I, I joked with a friend that I got my hair cut today. And I was like, oh, yeah, fresh and ready to go for a podcast and a haircut. And literally your studio was like, get ready to check your hair. It's crossed out. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's funny. So, uh, yeah, excited, ready to go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another session of Marketing Unplugged. Today in the studio, I'm joined by Jonathan Mahar Zayas. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Noah. It's great to be here. Yeah, welcome to the studio. It's our first studio session being recorded in 2023. Um, and I'm excited to dig in and talk about not only what's on the horizon, but also what hasn't changed and where are organizations focusing and where should they be investing as we head in. But before we do that, I would love to learn a little bit more about you and introduce you to our audience. And so could you give us some background on your experience, kind of where you came from? What was the squiggle that's gotten you to the work that you do today and purposeful work that you do today? Awesome. Yeah. And, and thanks again for having me, Noah. I really appreciate it and happy to kick off 2023 with this exciting podcast. Um, myself, I call myself a queer Latinx nonprofit management strategist. Um, I call myself a dedicated equity warrior, and I've been in the nonprofit sector now for about 11 years, uh, primarily working in fundraising and marketing and communications worlds in a variety of different nonprofits, all from very small to uh, substantially kind of large ones as well. And I'm excited to kind of reflect on some of the great experiences that I've had over the years of just thinking about how to best optimize uh, marketing strategies and campaigns to uh, accomplish fundraising goals or program marketing or a variety of different ways too. Uh, I, I think when you're in a small shop like I've been, you've done it all. So sometimes you're doing everything and you're embracing everything and have that experience as well, but still trying to bring in the best practices, the best experiences that you have and kind of leverage kind of the limited resources you have to, for the best gain. So uh, that's a little bit about me and kind of right now in a place where I wear many hats. I'm, uh, you know, I do some consulting work right now. I do a lot of training work. I'm an adjunct faculty professor uh, for a school of social welfare. And I currently involved really heavily with the Association of Fundraising Professionals globally. So uh, I love wearing a lot of hats and marketing is one of my favorite ones to wear. So I'm uh, excited to be here and excited to share my experiences. Yeah, and I'm excited to dig in because you have such an interesting and diverse vantage point on the industry and how nonprofits are thinking about their work. Um, but before we dig into kind of your previous experience and getting going unplugged like we like we typically do here on the show, uh, what are you excited for? What are, what are you hopeful for in 2023 as you look ahead? Or what excites you the most about this new year? Yeah, I think people, I think 2023 is going to be, for me, I've seen a lot of people focus on themselves of like, in terms of like, actually focusing on like, what's best for uh, someone. I think you know, over the last few years, the pandemic, like 2020, we just survived. 2021, we were still figuring things out. In 2022, we're tired. You know, like, I think it's just like, they're thrown in and build on that. And I think, especially at the end of last year, a lot of people were tired. And I think the focus on what works best for us and what works best for our sector without sacrificing uh, quality impact in our programs and services, I think, I, I, I see that a lot. I see a lot of people talking about that, of what that looks like too, as well. And then I think there's going to be a, a lot of push for things like 
transparency, honesty, utilization of technology, and a really emphasis on the outcomes too. Like, I think we're finally in a point where it's like, okay, great. We've been talking about a lot of stuff for a handful of years now, especially related to equity, uh, related to impact. But what are we actually accomplishing and what are we actually moving forward as well? And how are we building trust with our community, our stakeholders to actually accomplish what we're saying we're accomplishing? Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting that you brought up kind of the transition from 21 or 20 to 21. And then 22 is almost like this reshuffling year too, Mm. where everyone was kind of tired, but people were like changing up decisions they made. So we saw a bunch of people that went from like, hey, everyone can work at home to now everyone has to be back in the office. We went to, hey, we're going to hyper growth and grow at all costs and dive into this opportunity to like, hey, let's cut back and and kind of pull back. So it was a very confusing year in some ways mm-hmm. as it relates to uh, growth strategies where we were all like, I don't, I don't know if it was resettling or something. There was definitely that air going on last year. Yeah. I also feel like 2022 was finally the chance where we could go back in person. So I think every conference event came back hard <laughs> in 2022 and we're like, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to embrace everything and kind of like integrate it all at once. And it was really interesting because you saw some organizations who took some lessons that they learned over the past few years of how to really make stuff still accessible, still exciting, you know. And then you saw some organizations who were like, we're literally repeating what we did in 2019 and because we miss it and we want to do it as well. And and some of that was okay, but some of that was like, what's going on? Like, you're, it's still like, it's a new year, new thing. We're figuring stuff out too as well. So um, and I think with that resettling got a little bit more exhaustion in terms of too as well, or a lot of effects from the pandemic finally hit in 2022 in terms of r- raising costs, inflation, staff turnover, a lot of other things that affecting nonprofits, I feel like finally hit the budget in 2022, where people are realizing like, oh, we actually have to deal with this now. There's not the support coming in like it was before, or we're what we were doing was not sustainable. So now we have to figure out ways to adjust and figure out how kind of to uh, capitalize our resources, what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I am eager to see how that continues to show up in 2023, because I agree the impacts of the changes that have happened over the last few years weren't actually realized. So I I liked your thought there where you said it's finally showing up in the budget, Mm -hmm. kind of impacting the, you know, the P&L statements for a lot of these organizations Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, you know, we need to make some changes. And we're not seeing that just in nonprofits. We're seeing that in associations and even in broader organizations Mm -hmm. that are kind of almost admitting like, hey, we didn't know exactly what we were doing, but we overextended, (laughs) kind of pulling back. Oh, for sure. So for a lot of your career, you've spent more time within nonprofits on the community engagement side and the fundraising side. Um, This podcast and most of our audience listening is probably on the marketing side. Mm. But many of us agree that there's like a an overlap in what fundraising and community engagement is and what marketing is. What's your perspective on that? Where is fundraising and marketing similar and where are they actually uniquely different and more of complements for each other? You know, and as someone who's been the sole person for both, (laughs) I feel this, uh, it makes it surprisingly always makes it easier in that sense too. You know, I see fundraising at the core responsibility of the relationships, like the relationships that establish with stakeholders to bring in resources get community attention and build on that too. Where I see the marketing and communication side is really like the content and messaging around our missions and how does that potentially evolve to then 
accomplish other types of goals too as well. And, 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 um, you know, there is, I think there's a distinction, but also there is some ways that has to be integrated of what it is. I think it looks differently for all different types of organizations. Um, and it depends on what your missions are, your goals, how your budget comes up as, as well, what organizes it. Cause you know, for organizations that I see where fundraising philanthropic dollars are primarily the revenue source for the agency, though that fundraising marketing line is a lot more closer. Like they're a lot more blended because they recognize that, hey, marketing is key to raising our dollars and our success and building on that too as well. Where, you know, I've worked for a handful of human service agencies where fundraising is a very small percentage of the budget. And most of the budget is government contracts or um, billable services and everything too. So the marketing side is more of another administrative piece like finance or HR that just supports fundraising in addition to supporting the rest of the agency too as well. So I think it depends on what your organization is set up for. Um, but I think there's always a, an important need to kind of organize and kind of succinct things together, you know, what makes sense for what your agency looks like. And I think there's always a great chance to kind of think about, uh, you know, what are respective goals in both of those areas too, and how do they fit together to then accomplish what you're kind of embracing and kind of building onto as well. I mean, you can't have good fundraising without good marketing that goes with it too as well. I mean, you can market really well and not do any fundraising. So like, it's not to say like that's not necessary, but you definitely see the necessity of, and I got into fundraising thinking, I was just going to be a fundraising and then realizing how important the marketing and communication side was to then continue and execute a lot of things like the annual fund, the even your grants, your major donors, all those marketing pieces are so key for those relationship building that it's key to have that relationship. So uh, connected and hopefully integrated um, depending on what your scope of your mission is and how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you described them as separate capabilities, but complementary mm -hmm. uh, in both mutually beneficial way. You know, marketing helps fundraising, fundraising helps marketing. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are overlaps in the capabilities, but again, depending on your organization's structure and funding model will change kind of the dynamics of that relationship between the two. Yeah. It also reminds me too of when we make broad statements like, oh, is marketing and fundraising the same thing? It's like, well, that's it's hard to uh, apply those uh, broad sweeping statements across all organizations because it's different. You even mentioned like if you're more program based or services based, marketing is playing a different role at that organization than if you are 95% funded by individuals, marketing's probably focused more in partnership with fundraising. So mm -hmm. that differentiation is important. So knowing your context is going to help you make the right decisions and, and support that relationship. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, a lot of nonprofit leaders still, I don't think, understand the true difference between marketing and fundraising. Like they just see it all as a bucket, like external stuff to get resources, you know, like or to get the word out and building on that. So sometimes a lot of us are pulled in and expected so many different areas um, to then execute on it, too. And as you know, marketing and fundraising is so affected by so many different areas of the organization. You know, the quality of your programs affects how great your marketing is. The How great your staff retention is affects how great your marketing and fundraising is. You know, the budgets and your technology, like all of this affects us too. So when, you know, leaders don't fully understand the scope of what it is, 
then the fundraising and marketer is you're thrown into so many different areas to try to fix some other areas too, because you know that affects your bottom line and affects your goals and what that looks like too. So I think that's also an understanding too, is the breadth of what this, uh, you know, encompasses and, and leaders not knowing, not having to be a specific expert in all this area, but just have enough understanding or enough trust in their staff to then be able to then uh, encompass them and empower them to kind of accomplish their goals as well. Hey friends, Emily here from Feather. Feather's nonprofit marketing platform turns your if-only wish list into reality. Feather Flights, our marketing automation tool, helps you design multi-channel campaigns and automated engagement journeys. Feather is trusted by over 1,300 nonprofits, and we help you unlock more time, more results, and ultimately, more confidence with real-time ROI reporting at the campaign level so you know what works, removing the guesswork from your 2023 plan. Book time with one of our digital strategists today and learn how you can unlock more in 2023 with Feather by visiting feather.co. That's feather without the last E dot C-O. Well, one thing we like doing on this podcast is getting into the weeds on campaigns. So I know you spent time in the chair, as you mentioned, <laughs> doing the work and kind of executing campaigns. And learning from campaigns is really helpful. So I'd love for you to share maybe an initiative, strategy, or campaign that kind of outperformed your expectations. And what did you actually learn from that? And how are you pulling that forward into the work you do with other organizations? Yeah, I, I was kind of reflecting on some of this too. And my kind of favorite campaign that I worked on too. So um, I used to work for my local Planned Parenthood affi affiliate. Um, it, this was in 2017. It was right after um, President Trump was elected. And uh, Planned Parenthood was making a lot of national attention there. And I was working for a local affiliate. And, you know, we, the context was we had a lot of overwhelming support come in as well. Because like the national attention was, oh, we're going to, they're not going to get any money for it as well, you know, in that sense too. So it was a lot of crisis people coming in and saying, I'm going to help you and do this too as well. And we had realized that like, okay, but we want these people to come in all the time because we're doing great work all the time. You know, it's not just like right now when one politician says they're not going to give us money, you know, like that's that too. So we designed um, a really a young professional kind of a fun engagement tool. We called it a program called Friends with Benefits. It was a fundraising marketing campaign. Um, but it turned into so much more. Like the goal and objective was to be like a monthly giving program for young professionals to come in and you come in at like a low dollar amount, like $5. You know, we showed you what $5 a month did and your goal was to get more friends. So you got more friends with benefits to, you know, and it was like kind of this ploy to kind of get just a community of excited people as well. What I, I think we didn't realize of how much uh, people wanted out of that opportunity. Like we just thought like, oh, this was just going to be a fun. You're going to call yourself a friends with benefit. But we got so much more action out of the program because people were ready to come in and they wanted to primarily take action and kind of use themselves in a way to kind of connect with the mission and build on that too. So we turned a lot of initiatives into advocacy campaigns. That was very helpful too. Like my favorite event was we went to a brewery and colored postcards with vaginas and IUDs and mailed them to our representatives 
encouraging them to get support too as well. Like, you know, and we got hundreds of postcards sent out too, but it was like an integration of like actually taking action too. And I think that's where a lot of times what I really took away from is, you know, a lot of times we just want resources, we want support, you know, we want more amplified kind of engagement, but what are we doing? So people actually feel like they're a part of something bigger. Like we say that too, as well as nonprofits, like, we come in and we're like, oh, you're not you're not just like helping this one person get healthcare. You're part of the whole system advocating for this too. But what does that actually feel like for an individual to come into as well? And we don't have time to cultivate and engage every individual person like we do some major donors. So how do we create these meaningful experiences where people feel like they're part of something bigger and, and tackling it too? And also being transparent on our end of what limitations we have in our own scope too as well like we come in i also have a policy background and come in and say oh we wish we could do all this but we're only limited you know in this area like there's still policy that prevents us from doing this but if you help us advocate to change it you're part of that effort too as well and just giving people that opportunity to feel like they're actually taking action too and i think that helps us stay away from some other folks who are also advocating at the same time who are just like we need funds, we need support. I was like, okay, well, everyone needs fun and support, but the chance to be a part of something bigger, the chance to take action and feel like you're actually doing something that's going for it as well. And then the reporting on the impacts of like what you're doing as well. Like that was, I think, important too. And probably at a time, I think when a lot of the fundraising movement was like, we have to talk about impact reporting, like really transitioning a lot of their efforts to not just being organizationally centered, but donor centered in terms of like, how are you connecting with your donors and showing the impact of what you're making too as well. So um, probably one of my favorite campaigns. Also, just love to say friends with benefits. And it just was a great way <laughs> to do it too. And I know you do re- something really well when like a handful of other people ask you like, how did you do that? So like, I think that's a a great measure of success of like, I probably shared my plans with like six other Planned Parenthoods of like, go out and do this too, because it's a great way to kind of engage your folks as well. Yeah. And in reflection, even hearing that experience, there's so many embedded learnings and you shared some of them, but I almost want to summarize them because I think they're more applicable to everyone's circumstances, regardless of whether they fall more on the policy side, where Mm -hmm. they're going to have, you know, maybe a politician influence fundraising increasing. Or it's just a moment in time um, where, hey, this thing came up and we are going to uh, raise funds against it or there's going to be increased interest in your organization. So the three things I wrote down that were really, I think, important learnings is being like paying close attention to what's going on externally that may impact your the community that could support you. Uh, interest in your organization. So you're not caught flat-footed on that. It's not mm-hmm. like, hey, we weren't paying attention to what's going on so that we can be responsive to that influx or even decrease. Maybe there's something that's going on that's going to decrease the engagement that a community has or distract them from it. So the first thing was like, how do we as marketers, fundraisers, as leaders pay closer attention to what's going on externally in our community's lives that may impact their interest? Mm. Uh, the second thing I wrote down was how do you actually control the narrative? Like one thing I heard there was, Hey, they were giving to us because of, you know, this specific reason, but we wanted them to give to us for a different reason. And we wanted them to be invested in the work that we do. 
So how do you actually pivot that narrative and reclaim, not just take it in and say, okay, well, this is a moment in time where we're getting you know, crisis funding and we're going to capitalize on that as much as possible, mm-hmm. but still using that as an opportunity to say, yes, this thing is important, but that also leads to this broader agenda we have as an organization. Mm-hmm. And all of that leads to what you mentioned is how do they actually feel mm-hmm. when they're involved? And that's something I think we forget so often in our campaigns is how is someone going to feel when they respond to this? Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to feel guilted? Are they going to feel part of? Are they going to feel fulfilled? And how do we how do we think about that feel in our campaign design? One specific. So my last organization, you know, I, I work for a human service mental health organization. And originally we started off as an orphanage. Um, and that orphanage turned into a residential facility kind of treatment. So essentially, youth who were in foster care or removed from their homes for marketing or mental health purposes would come and serve, you know, that too. But like at, over the last few decades, we expanded our services to do more preventative, expand to meet needs, do outpatient work and do community based services too. Um, and I say this because our fundraising efforts were always focused on that residential component too, of like what it was as an agency, like, Oh, that's where it was. That was the easiest pull. People had a connection to that too as well. So a couple of years ago um, we had did a campaign. Um, it was right after it was probably a start of 2021. Oh, that's a couple of years ago, technically. Wow. That we were like, okay, we need our supporters to know that we do a whole bunch of other stuff as well because we do workforce development, we do outpatient work, we do care coordination, we have a school, like we do so much other things for an agency, but we're not getting the attention on support we need as well. So we had thought of doing, as anyone in 2021, we decreased our print focus and focus more digitally, did like this big comprehensive digital social media, Google Analytics type of targeted ad campaign. And at, at the forward of it, it was just like, oh, well, we don't want money. We just want people to learn, like understand what that was. Um, and we just shared all our services. We shared everything we did. It was like a do you, did you know type of campaign and doing that too as well. And we're like, oh, this will be great. So many people will know about everything else we do. And there's not an ask in there because we just want people to know, you know, to feel connected. And I like... I mean, I, it was an easy kind of failure to say because we spent all this money and like yielded only a handful of people who actually like engaged with the content. Um, and it, it, when you do digital stuff, it's very easy to track like, oh, how many people saw it and what you did it too. And a lot of people saw it and engaged and do that as well. But it just didn't yield the excitement or engagement that we expected. And we put the effort in as well. Um, and I think it was for a few things too. I think it was one, I was like, uh, we, we never thought about the why, like, why do people care? You know, like if you have a business or another organization that you're working with and they have this new area that doesn't affect you, like, why do you care? You know, like, I don't, you know, I won't uh, care too much if the grocery store down the road is uh, making this new type of meal, if I'm not going to eat it. So like, I think we never thought about that in terms of like, why is this important and making the connection to the reason that people care to as well. Um, I also think we overestimated, like, at a time where we thought people were going to digital much more, because 2020 was all about digital engagement, because like, we're like, we're home, we're stuck there, we're doing that too as well. But I think 
once you hit 2021, there was a mix of in-person stuff too. But I also thought that people were overwhelmed with all the digital content, that if the digital content didn't connect to them, they ignored it. They didn't care and they didn't build on that. So I think that was important to understand and beating people where they're at of like, they never got their, our information that well from social media. So why would they get new information from that too and kind of building on what that could be? And then kind of the lastly too is like we never really thought about how this would connect back to support. You know, like I think we just were like using for information too. But again, like there was no action component. It was just information. And with information overload too, there wasn't a way to connect back to as well because people would see that. And anytime we would talk about it in person, people, the first question would be like, well, how can I get involved? How can I help? And we never thought about that in a marketing campaign. So it was a way for people to get to know these programs and new services, but they had no connection to it. They had no um, reason to be engaged or kind of build on that as well. And I think that was a big miss because then we missed a lot of opportunity for people to then come to us and say, oh, how can we help us? You know, even if it's just sharing information or building on that too, there was no action component as well. And in a world where we were so information heavy and it was constant change, you know, kind of building on that too, people wanted to know like, how does this connect to me and how can I help do it as well? And I think we missed the mark on that specifically. So I, I kind of a growth area for us. Jonathan, I pr- appreciate you sharing those insights and learnings, both from successes and failures. And I would love to kind of transition to some specific questions from your background. I feel like I'd be remiss given your vantage if I didn't ask the specific question. You talked about the importance and progress we've made as it relates to equity in the fundraising sector, the philanthropy sector. I know that's really important to you. Uh, I would love to know where you think we've made progress and where we need a lot more focus as we head into 2023, as it relates to equity and philanthropy? Yeah, I think we're definitely making strides. And I want to, you know, equity is going to take generations to kind of accomplish. You know, it's not an overnight thing and to kind of acknowledge. So any success we should celebrate, but continue pushing forward as well. I thought of this, I think representation in marketing campaigns is better increasing. Like I think more people with marginalized identities see themselves more in more marketing campaigns and and just content and connections than uh, we have before as well. Like I think, you know, there's more companies celebrating all different holidays and connections. I think there's more companies being conscious of how they're setting up their materials or the inclusive language on their website. I think people are are thinking about that. And I think that is uh, going strong. And sometimes when you don't see it, you're like, where have you been? You know, it's kind of building on that. So I think that representation and kind of like some of that is still, I think, uh, going forward in a way as well. I I think the biggest opportunity is, you know, uh, equity is about change and marketing helps people get comfortable with change, you know, and kind of build on what that looks like too. I think there's an opportunity to really think about what are the outcomes that we're hoping for equity, you know, short-term that are leading to our long-term goals, but then how are we then marketing that to make people feel like we just mentioned before, feel like they're part of something, they're advancing and they're comfortable enough to be uncomfortable with this change too as well. You know, and I think sometimes we limit ourselves on how uncomfortable we're going to feel in this moment, but not think of like the journey ahead as well. Like I think of 
a journey of equity as like training for a marathon, for example, like the work going to it is going to be hard, exhausting, and feels like it's going to be forever. But you should be focused on the end goal of accomplishing what that looks like too as well and how great that feeling is going to be when you get there. And I think if we think about how we can market our organizations, our connections in a way to help people minimize discomfort and focus on where we're heading and just the excitement that we're going, I think there's a large opportunity for communications professionals, fundraisers to kind of catalyze what that looks like too and get people ahead to say, we're going to be that organization leading the charge, or we're going to be there soon, or we're going to be here in a couple years, and then that's going to lead us a few years to as well. I think that's where um, there's a lot of opportunities there to kind of think about how to embrace all of that and really accomplish um, some great meaningful work kind of uh, uh, accomplishing equity and, and tackling it towards that. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think what I heard was helpful is like it's 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 an ongoing process and there's always more work to do, but we should celebrate mm-hmm. where the successes are. And I think that's a good reminder outside of just this, but like where are we celebrating? I know I read, um, mm-hmm. I think it was Bill and Melinda Gates's uh, like foundation annual letter and I feel like they always do a really good job at being like, yes, things feel bad, but look, we've made a ton of progress. Like, let's not mm-hmm. in the areas that they specifically work on. And I appreciate that reminder to focus on progress and focus on celebrating those wins as much as being still committed to the cause going forward. Mm-hmm. I know in your role in partnership with the Association Fundraising Professionals or AFP Global, I'm sure there are other trends in addition to equity that you guys are looking at or things that areas that we need to focus on. What are some of those other watchful areas that the philanthropic industry needs to lean into as we head into 2023? A few things that instantly come to mind as well. Um, I think um, transparency and trust are always going to be at the forefront. I think it's there's even more push now just because we can get so much information more in a variety of different ways that the more that we the more that we're transparent about what's going on where we're connecting and what we're doing kind of with our resources the more trust we're likely to build and a great DEI expert Lily Zhang says trust is a currency of change so the more that you're building trust and connecting with your audiences and the more that they trust you the more likely you're going to accomplish change so i think thinking about transparency and trust is important too I think we have to also be honest about technology. Like technology is coming and it's coming quicker. You know, like it's always come quicker than we've anticipated it to. So how are we leveraging technology to do things that might not have been an issue before or how to optimize things and make things efficient as well? Like I think all this technology AI artwork is going to be like a huge influence on how things work on as well because now... You know, we've taken something that normally has a a person behind it, too. And given this technology, you know, whether you have feelings on it or not, too, as well, if we're not really cognizant of how we're leveraging technology for our success, we're going to kind of then be behind of where that could be as well. And then I think also we have to think about sustainability. You know, sustainability looks differently, but... You know, it, it, it ranges from what action are we doing to save this planet to also how are we keeping our staff? Like how are we keeping our staff engaged? How are we keeping our donors back too? Donor retention is still a huge issue. Staff retention is probably the biggest issue facing a lot of 
nonprofits, especially human service nonprofits right now too as well. There's lots of leaders on the way out for retirement and there's not enough people to fill that back in. So how are we then thinking about sustainability in terms of people operations too for our agencies or, or we're cultivating talent in a way that then leads to where we want to see our organizations go in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Hey, I'm William Henry. I'm the content marketing manager here at Feather, and I'm here to tell you about an amazing resource we have available for those of you doing purposeful marketing, the in-flight briefing. Every Tuesday, we'll send to your inbox the essential bite-sized information you need to take your marketing strategy from sputtering along to soaring. We think doing purposeful marketing is fun. So even though we'll be sharing a lot of new ideas and linking out to some thought-provoking content, we're gonna make this briefing feel like the most important part of the flight, the snacks. We know you have many options when you fly, so we hope you'll consider joining us in the air. Subscribe today at feather.co slash inflight. That's feather without the E dot co slash inflight. Well, Jonathan, it's always been a pleasure to kind of chat with you as it regards to where we're going, but I'd love to do a quick lightning round. Are you game for it? Sure. So the first question is what book on or related to nonprofit or philanthropy work do you wish you read earlier in your career? The practical go-to answer is the Nonprofit Marketing Guide by Kiwi LaRue Miller. She is a superstar marketing expert in the nonprofit space. And it's one of the few books I have on my shelf that I go back to and read as well. So like, if you want a very tactical, handful guide to just organize where it is as well, kind of think about that. I will say quickly too, as a social worker, I always promote being trauma-informed. So any book or related about trauma because marketing is about change, change is loss, loss is trauma, like all of that in how we make people feel is important to acknowledge too. And sometimes a lot of us are doing this marketing work, acknowledge we might, trauma might come up, it might be reminded. So how are we then embracing our audiences and helping people support through trauma to help them heal and kind of focus on what that looks like too. So a great book on that is What Happened to You by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Brian Perry. So you should definitely check that out too as well in terms of like just reframing, like how are we setting up well and then preparing ourselves to help people heal through some things too. Always a big advocate for that too as well, especially for the marketing space. Yeah. What is your go-to marketing axiom or the thing you continue to come back to as you're approaching your work? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's like focusing on making things simple and enabling accessible access. Like, I think that's where it is, too. Like, no, in terms of fundraising, marketing, program engagement, too, if it's not easy or inconvenient for someone to be involved in your organization, they're likely not going to engage with that as well. So how are we meeting people where they're at? How are we uplifting them and their strengths? And how are we connecting to build them as well? So engaging in your organization isn't more work. It's an excitement. It's easy. And it's connected to that as well. So kind of always focusing on that pure part as well and highlighting the access point too and thinking different people have different access needs so making sure that you're really inclusive when thinking about all your audiences building that way who's doing marketing well within nonprofits it could be an organization or it could be individuals you encourage our listeners to follow yeah so i'll start with kind of the organizations too i feel like my favorite types of organizations right now to connect with are humane societies and public libraries. <laughs> I, I think humane societies, as knowing folks who work in that space too, 
they rely a lot on philanthropy for their support. So I think they've always tried to integrate that support with that too. And and they also have a service audience that is easy to connect with and promote. You know, dogs and cats and pets are always great to do that too. But I think just the way that they're able to build their audiences and connect and just show the impact of their work is always great too as well. And then a lot of great public libraries, I think, are, you know, more fun than they seem. You know, I think that's where I really enjoy it. A library is so much more. It's a resource center. It's the first point of crisis connection too. But like, it's such a great resource for the community as well. And I've, I've seen so many libraries, especially like online and connected and just show how fun and connected and how they're an inclusive space too. And so I think my favorite online right now is the Milwaukee Public Library is doing so great on social media right now, picking up all the trends and just connecting. And like, if I was there, I'd go to them all the time. So I think just like, Ways to show your audience that you can build trust with them, I think, is support too as well. But, you know, in terms of some kind of like go-to kind of leaders, I always, my good colleague and friend, Julie Campbell, is one of the leaders in the nonprofit space, I think, for marketing too. So I always go with her and Josh Hirsch. They always have some great content coming up too as well. I also want to acknowledge there's a lot of great people kind of thinking about marketing and equity that are connected to both AFP, the community-centric fundraising movement, to are thinking about how are we creating marketing in great spaces that are accessible and equitable and actually focusing on what that impact looks like too. So I, I kind of want to acknowledge some great folks connected to there as well. Like I think of my great colleague, Michelle Vrin, who's in Austin, Texas, does a lot of great job with it too, of the integration, but really marketing the organization and the mission to be for equity focus and build an experience where everyone feels like they belong. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I think one, focusing on yourself too. I think that's always important. Like I always say you're your best professional self when you're your best personal self. So I hope 2023 is a year of healing, engaging, exciting. Whatever we learned in the last couple of years, I hope you take time to focus on that and advocate for what you need to as well. And then I think also, you know, thinking about how are you focusing on step ahead? Like what the big... Like, how are you externally focused? How are you learning the best inclusive language? How are you recognizing what you've done before and then focusing on how to move forward? Um, I think always being future-focused, solution-focused, always has some great results and yields on that too. And building excitement enough to make people feel like they belong as a community of your organization. Jonathan, thanks again for giving of your time and your experience. We're so grateful for you. And I can't wait till next time. Thanks for being in the studio. Thanks for having me, Noah. I appreciate you, the work you do, Feather, everything. Uh, You're such a great resource for our sector. So thanks again for having me and thanks for putting these resources together. Just curious on one, um, 
you, there was one like the go-to marketing axiom question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of wanted some clarification on that of like what it means. Cause I've heard it in different yeah. contexts and never have been in a formalized place where we're like, yeah, we have one. So <laughs> just wanted to ask like what you usually mean by that. Think of it like this, like what's, What's your go? And it doesn't even have to be marketing. It could be fundraising. It could be how you think. Yeah. It's like a common thing you go back to all the time. And okay. it doesn't have to be a company thing. It could be like, you know, stay close to the customer, which is like yeah. one of my marketing axioms. Like the further away from the customer you get, the less effective anything mm-hmm. you do is. So stay close to the customer. Okay. That's what I so thought. It could be pithy. Uh, it could be something that you're like, hey, as I go about my work, this is kind of something I hold to in how I'm a, how I drive leadership or how I think about serving supporters. Sure, sure. That. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I just wanted to clarify, just in case it was. I, I asked my colleague who's very who has a very technical marketing background and like spit off those three axioms, like create user experience and do that too as well. And I was like, I don't think that's what they meant. So I just wanted to clarify that. 